Hey, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to send us your story by visiting our new website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. I believe God has called you to be all in. I'm excited uh, to uh, bring what God has shared with me. And I literally mean that. I really feel like God has shared with me something that uh, was for me. And I ingested it and I took it. And then uh, he confirmed with me, share this with the body now. Yeah, the, the troubling thing with pastors sometimes is that we have to kind of clearly, distinctly uh, separate our study time from our personal time with God. And that's difficult sometimes because we feel like every time we open the word of God, we got to have a word for the people. You understand what I'm saying? So that difficulty there is always there. And so sometimes I'm trying to sort out, is this for me? Is this for Tony? Or is this for freedom? Is this for the world? Is this for somebody else? Uh, specifically walking into a, a church or, or at a conference or at a camp or whatever it is that God has uh, allowed me to be a, a speaker at. And uh, I believe that it started with me, then it worked into somebody in the room, and now it's worked out to be something for the body. And I hope that anyone and everyone that is tuned in at, at this moment can hear this message that I have for you today. This is part six and the final wrap-up uh, of our series, All In, All In. You've been seeing it, you've been hearing it, some of you have been wearing it, okay? We have these, if you don't have one of these pins, uh, we have a bunch left over still in the back. If you want one, see at the back table there. There's plenty of tables, if you see those in the back, we have plenty of opportunity for you to take one of these pins if you did not get one uh, a few weeks ago when we handed them out. We've been on this all-in kick, and the all-in idea is simply this. The, the reality of the gospel is that all of us have a chance to know Jesus. All of us have a chance to be forgiven. Therefore, he's called us all to be all in. And so week one, we talked about maximizing our lives, right? We talked about how to maximize our life. And then we talked about why on earth are we here? Purpose of our lives. Then we talked about the time being now. Now is the time. Don't wait. You never know when that next time is actually going to come. Or even if it's coming. Right? Then, we've been look, then we looked at life being more than a bucket list. Your life is more than a series of checkoff moments of things you need to do. Here's what I need to do. This is what fulfills me. This is who I am. No. You are more than a bucket list. And then last week, Pastor Christian delivered a wonderful message of time through the lens of eternity. How do you see your life? The way you see life right now is the way you see eternity. The way you act right now is the way you see eternity. If eternity doesn't matter, then this moment doesn't matter. If eternity matters to you, then this moment matters to you. And he delivered a great message right up, right down... Uh, Right down the alley of, of being all in. And so today, I want to bring a message entitled, Choose Your Weapon. Choose Your Weapon. Life is a series of choices. How many agree with that? Life is a series of choices that you make. You make these choices every day. You make choices. You choose what uh, breakfast you're going to have. You choose what this you're going to have. What you're going to wear. You choose some, some of you, which car I'm going to drive, you know, what thing I'm going to do and what 
You have a series of choices, a lot of choices. In the kingdom of God, God is calling you to choose your weapon. And I'll explain that in a minute. Because when we look at Jesus, Jesus made a lot of choices while on earth. Can I get everyone's attention for a moment? I need you to hear me and hear me closely. Jesus made a lot of choices leading to the cross. He made a lot of choices. See, everything that led to the cross was a series of choices. Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross wasn't one day where he got up and said, you know, I think today I'm going to die for all of mankind. That's not what happened. He was born on this earth with a mission. But when he was, when he was born on this earth with a mission, he had a series of choices he had to make as a as a young boy, as a teenager, as a young man, as a man, he had a series of choices he had to make that led him to the cross. He had a series of choices of who he was going to choose to be his disciples. Did you know that he chose people that were not quite the most, the cream of the crop? Let's just say that. Right? Let's just let's just say it out plain. He doesn't always choose the cream of the crop. We want that, right? We want to say, okay, let's filter out those that are not worthy of this assignment. And Jesus said, I want the ones that are willing, not just the ones that are able. So he took the ones that were willing and he said, watch me put in you the ability because you have already made yourself available to me. So the availability came first, then the ability. And so we look at this and we, can I tell you that Jesus' sacrifice that he made on the cross was a series of decisions that led to that moment. And can I tell you today that Jesus took a path of testing. And this testing found in Matthew chapter 4. Grab your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 4. I'll wait. It's not going to be on the screen. Just the references there. Matthew chapter 4. You want to talk about all in, right? You want to talk about being all in? Here it is. Jesus walked and he was led, watch this now, led by the Spirit to be, as the Bible said, tempted. Led by the Spirit to be tempted. Now, I want to address that in a moment, and I will, but he he took this path and two things happened. Number one, what happened in this text, and we're about to read, it teaches us how to approach testing, and it teaches us how the enemy will use testing to get you to do what he wants you to do. So let's look at the text, let's read it as it is, and then we'll dissect it a little bit together. Can I do that today? Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, here it is. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Good thing he didn't fall for that one, right? That could have spelled doom for all of us. Then the devil took him. He didn't. Is it like the devil not to. I mean, 
does he usually just bail after the first temptation? It's not, that's not his, that's not in his repertoire. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If, everybody say if, watch the ifs in the Bible. Watch the ifs. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will give, he will command his angels concerning you and he will lift you up into their hands. And so you will not strike your foot against the stone. Look at the devil using scripture to move the word out of God's will. Did you get that? He's using the word to move the word out of his will. Jesus being the word. And so we look at the enemy and here's what he said. Jump off of this mountain because surely he's going to protect you. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Everybody say, whew, that's two, two down. I'm glad you're still with me on that one. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world. As if it's his, right? As if he owns that. You ever had somebody gloat about something that's not theirs? That's just weird. What a loser. I'm sorry. Um, let's move on. He is a loser. Anyway. He took him to a high mountain. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, and he showed him all the splendor. Like, like it's his, right? All of this I will give to you. If you bow down and worship me. That's a good deal because he's going to give him a lot that he doesn't own. But verse 10, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Say that with me. Serve him only. And serve him only. Now watch this. Verse 11, final verse of my text. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. I love this because God attends to the weary. God attends to those who stay faithful to his word. God attends to those who stay firm and say, you know what? I'm going to endure this because he's worth enduring. How many believe God is worth enduring any persecution you go through? See, we understand persecution very differently in America, right? Have you read anything about the persecution happening in other countries? Like we, can you put our persecution parallel with that? (laughs) Not even a bit. The stuff that's happening overseas, the way that people are being tortured, the way that people are being uh, literally cast out of their homes, their homes being burnt down, them being burnt. I'm telling you right now, we don't understand persecution in America. Oh, but there will be a day. Let me leave it there for a moment. Let's deal with this obvious term. That has a struggle with some people. And the word is to tempt. Did the spirit of God lead him into temptation? Because I find a contradiction here with the Lord's prayer. And lead us not into temptation. Stop. (laughs) And lead us not into temptation. Why do we have to tell the father that? There are times we have to understand that the the word that we know as a word is a different word in the original text. 
stronger meanings, different variations. Let me, uh, uh, let me enlighten you for a moment. I'm not a big Greek and Hebrew reader. I really don't read Greek and Hebrew in my spare time. But there's one thing that we have to carefully note here for a moment at the beginning of this passage and regarding to the words to tempt, to tempt. The Greek word parisian, parisian is the English word tempt. And it has a bad connotation to it when we talk about tempt, right? If you've ever been on a diet, some sort of food restriction, God knows I don't, I don't like those things. Diets, that is. Or restrictions. How many can be honest? Any sort of restriction, period. How many? Some of you are like, preach it, pastor. Preach it. Any sort of restriction I don't like, but, but we, we, by nature, we have to have restrictions. We understand that, right? So we have to understand that, that the word tempt has a bad connotation. It means like you're on a certain diet and someone brings a big old cupcake. And I know about cupcakes because I just came from Belgium. And, and there were so many sweets there that I promise you I gained six pounds just walking down the street looking at all the sweets. The Belgium chocolate. I mean, the chocolate walk of fame. It's like, it's like a mall of chocolate. Like where we have stores of chocolate, they have, no, we, have, we have stores of clothes, they have stores of chocolate. Just chocolate and chocolate and more chocolate. I got six cavities. And that was just the first hour. The, temp, the word temptation has this negative connotation. Like, I want to offer you something when you're not supposed to have it. Like God is tempting Jesus that way. And in reality, the word that is used is very different. Parisian, the word has a different element in its meaning. It means to strongly test. To test more than it means to tempt. So we have to understand there that there's this great uplifting truth that it means to test far more than it means to tempt. And the idea this, watch this, What we call temptation is not meant to make us sin. Or what we call testing is not meant to make us sin, but to enable us to conquer sin. What we call test is not meant to make us bad. It's actually meant to make us good, to make us stronger. What we call a test is not meant to weaken us. In fact, it's meant to make us emerge stronger and more refined and purer than we were in the beginning. And the only way to happen, to make this happen, is through testing. Temptation, in this respect, is not the penalty of being a man. Temptation is the glory of being a man about to be used by God. I I don't know if you got that, but this rocked my world. That the tests that I have, that God allows me to go through, is not to make me fall. Those tests are honoring to me because God has chosen me to be refined enough to be used by Him. So you've been deemed worthy enough to be tested so that you can be used by God. I hope this rocks your, I hope this keeps you up at night. I hope that the purposes of God keep you up at night saying I must fulfill his will in my life because nothing on this world, nothing in this world can compare to his purpose for your life. Somebody say yeah. 
See, so we look at this test. We look at this temptation as, oh, the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness to tempt him to see if he's strong enough. That would be contradictory to everything I read in the Bible. Oh, but does he test us? Absolutely he tests us. And he tests us because we have been made worthy enough to be called a soldier and follower of Jesus. He's tested you to become pure. He's tested you to become used. To be able to, be, to withstand the lies of the enemy. Jesus understood temptation that day. When everything that was brought to him was from God's word. You realize this? That every time he was being tempted, it was a, it was a, it was a changed up idea in the word of God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, so he brings them up to a mountain and he says, look, I'll give you all of this. No, he already owns it. Why are you offering me something I already own? The other day, my little girl, I'm going to tell on her for a minute, she cracked me up, came home from my trip. She had a bag for my birthday. She said, dad, I want you to open this, your birthday gift. So I said, okay, sweetie. So she brought me a bag and she got me something from somewhere. Right? It was one of these little, it was a gift from her. And I look and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Thank you, sweetie. And I put it to the side. There was something else in the back. I reached inside and I pulled out this keychain. It has a picture of all three of them. And I'm like, this is cute. But then my son leans over and he goes, Hannah, that's my keychain. And those are my keys. And you know what she said? So, you weren't using it. She re-gifted somebody else's possessions and put it. She's like, I got to fill this with something. Oh, he's not using that. I started laughing. I'm like, Hannah, you can't give me somebody else's stuff. What are you doing? What are you teaching her around here? Don't lie, because... Every one of you re-gifted at some point, but at least, hopefully, it was your own. You can go to someone's house like, oh, this is nice. Just, just walk away with it. That's just weird. Don't do that. There's stuff that goes missing in my house. Now I know. Check Hannah's room. She may be giving it to somebody. Sweetie, have you seen the blender? The toaster's missing. It's weird to give somebody else, somebody else's possession. And that's exactly, look at me, that's exactly what the enemy was doing. He was offering what was God's to God. He says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself off this mountain because you know what the word of God says. He's going to give his angels charge over you. And he says, it's also written. Hello? Because that's, that's the way man works. We want to take the word however it helps us. And, and don't lie if, you, if you've done this at some point. Don't lie. It's okay. You've done it. I get it. You use the word to kind of vindicate you from doing something you know isn't right. You're like, well, you know, it's okay with God because, you know, he forgives.
Don't use that. Don't manipulate God's word for your own selfish needs. That's exactly what the enemy was doing. He'll take a little bit of truth, right? And he'll stretch it over a big fat lie, right? He'll take it and stretch it over a big fat lie and he'll tighten it so it looks like a big truth. But really, if you just dig deep enough, you'll see there's a big lie right in the middle of that. So he says, it's also written, do not tempt the Lord your God, right? I know I'm going a little bit backwards, but work with me. And then the first time he came to him and he says, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Let me tell you something. The enemy will try to redefine who you are at any turn. The test, the test that God gives us every day of our lives, the test that we uh, endure is a test to make you better. And let me allow a personal touch here for a moment. I remember when I took my licensing, it it drives me crazy when I look on and I look on, on the internet and you can get your ordination in 30 seconds. Like you can sign up with this website and you can become ordained to marry people and, and, and all these things that I'm going, I went through literally years and years and years of schooling and thousands upon thousands of dollars and piles of books and books that I've read and hours upon hours of study to become ordained or licensed in whatever way, shape or form the right way. And you're going to tell me that you're going to sign up via an email of some sort and confirm and you become ordained. Like what just happened? Well, I, uh, with my fellowship, the assembly is we go through licensing, then you become ordained. And those are the two processes. And, and so the first one you get licensed, you got to go through in a long, extensive exam. It's basically it's an exam that you take. Then you go and after a five over, it's about five. At least when I took it, it was about five hours of writing out. And, and, and it's just the testing is five hours. And so you go through this extensive process. Then you go through this thing and then you sit down with the presbyter and he tells you whatever you got wrong to help you get it right. So, okay, so you got this wrong. Let me redefine this for you. This is what we're looking for. And this is what's true. This is what's scripture, right? So corrects you there. And then you go sit down at a table with a bunch of other people that are ordained and licensed. And you answer questions about your character and integrity and why you should be licensed. It's a big deal, right? Some of you are like, I would never do that. <laughs> but it's part of the process. And I have not, my wife and I have nothing to hide. We, we went through the whole process and, and, and license. After I went through that grueling process of license, I got to wait two years before I can be ordained. And guess what? Repeat the process all over again. Just to become ordained. But guess what? The first time I went through it, I was scared out my mind to some degree. I really was. I was like... Man, what are they going to ask? I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know whatever. Guess what? That first time was very scary. But when I did it the first time and I survived it, when I say survive, I mean I literally feel like I survived. When I was about to go through it the second time with the ordination side, I was not as scared anymore. Why? Because I had been tested already. And I knew who I was. And some of you don't know who you are. That's how come you, you fear the testing, you fear the things that come about your life. But I had already experienced it. So my experience was carrying me through. Did I know everything? No. But I scored well. I did well. 
And when I went through that second time, my experience of the first time helped me through. So here's what I want to encourage you with this. When you are going and you are scared out your mind, realize the next time I go through something like this, I'm not going to be as scared anymore because the Holy Spirit will help me. It really is true. So here's three thoughts because that's a good message. The enemy, number one, will challenge how you live. We look at verse four of chapter four. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus said, you can't live by bread alone. He will challenge how you live. Jesus teaches us all clearly that no one is exempt from using scripture. You need scripture in your life. You need to know how to live. Somebody say, yeah. This is the moment of comparison. We look at scripture and we look at the comparison. How God had led the people out of Egypt and he led them into the wilderness for 40 years. Here, Jesus is being led into the wilderness for 40 days. And the enemy goes, food, food. Let's go with that. How many know that's always the first one to go with? Let's try to get them with food. Turn these stones into bread. Right here, this big stone. Turn it into bread if you are who you say you are. Right? So it's challenging his identity and trying to change how he lives. The Israelites failed in their quest. They cried for bread. God, you're going to leave us out here, all this stuff. Let me try it on Jesus. He didn't learn that Jesus wasn't self-serving. Hello? He was about the father's business. And he didn't give in. Somebody say, thank God. He didn't give in. Amen? So the question I pose to you is, as we look at this here this morning, will you be self-serving? And following God. This is very easy to, to want to serve yourself. So the enemy will challenge when you walk through this Christian life and you decide to be all in. He's going to challenge how you live. What are you living for? Are you living for the word? Are you living for truth? Are you living for righteousness? And what if somebody doesn't like what you say? Are you going to change it? What if somebody doesn't approve and it's not politically correct? Are you going to adjust I'll leave that for you to answer. The second thing, the enemy will challenge what you live for. Not just will you, how you live, but what you live for. So he brought him up in the mountain. He says, listen, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Again, challenging his identity and challenging what he lives for. He said, no. He's saying, look what I can give you. He says, no. I will give you all that you can see. Look at all that I can provide. No. No, you can't. Don't put your, the Lord your God to the test. The enemy can and will use fact to throw off your faith. Right? He brought him up on this mountain. He says, fact. God says he will protect you. Fact. Right? He's using the word of God. In that moment, it's fact. Because they both know it's true. But it's not a faith moment. That's not the word he needed to hear. Jesus turned around and he said, I see your fact and I raise you a faith. And he says what? He says to him, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Throw yourself down. That's challenging God's provision. This is the very whisper of our world today. 
Find your own escape. Find your own way out. Don't let the struggle of one chapter determine the end of your book, church. Hello? It's getting real quiet. Don't let the struggle of one chapter determine the end of your book. Imagine if you read the first chapter of a book and you said, you know what? I think I know everything about this book. Some of you could probably figure out certain details, but there's no way you could know the whole book when the first chapter. But I'm telling you right now, don't allow the testing of any moment change the course of your mission. God has put a mission on your heart. Here's the thought. To succeed in your mission, you must have a single-minded devotion that God's purposed for you. You must have a single-minded direction that God has a purpose for you. Follow that thing. Follow it until you breathe your last breath. I like what Zig Ziglar once said, and I'm not sure we have this on the screen. Um, Maybe we do, maybe we don't. But he said this, outstanding people have one thing in common, an absolute sense of mission. I'll say it again. Outstanding people have one thing in common, an absolute sense of mission. He will twist things. The enemy will twist anything. Listen to this. Because when I wrote this down and I I thought about it, I said, wow, this is simply amazing. And I find it, I know when the Holy Spirit dropped this in my heart, I said, wow, I need to share this. He will twist things that weren't possible then to make you see the test as impossible now. Let me say it again. The enemy will twist things that weren't possible then to make this look like it's impossible now. Man, that that just erupted when I got that, when I understood it. Because there are times that you failed in your past at something and God says, you failed because it was the wrong time. God's will and God's time, they have to be in sync. Understand something. That there's something that the enemy wants to bring up from your past to make you believe that somehow that means this. And it doesn't. Your past doesn't tell you where you are. Your past tells you where you've been. I'll take your nodding as an amen. Because our past will tell us a whole story of things. Is that right? Your past will tell you a whole story. Look at me for a moment. I need you to get this. If you determine everything you're doing right now from your past, all you're doing is living your past. There's things that you failed in before that you will not fail now. You will not fail now. Because the Spirit of God lives in you. And as the Spirit of God lives in you, there are things that He brings up, things that He erupts inside of you to bring you to a place of understanding. And I'm going to begin to put this in in a capsule for you. You ready? This is all in possible now. This is all in possible now. Third thing is simply this. The enemy will challenge who you live for. So He brought him up on the mountain. Bow down and worship me. And what did he say? Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him 
only. God will always attend to the weary. And he did right after that because he realized, man, this is just too much. This is a lot. And so we're often weary because we choose a journey within our own strength. I'm good enough to do this. I'm not good enough to do that. So I'm going to do this. I have enough ability to do this. I don't have the ability to do that. Even though I feel like God is calling me to do that, I feel like I'm just going to work in my strengths. I, I love you working in your strengths. But here's what I love more, obedience. I love seeing young people, all people, any person walking in obedience. I don't know how to do this, but I'm willing, Lord. Show me. Show me. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed. And sometimes greatness is best measured by how well we respond to what's happening around us. Even if it's unfair. Even if it's unreasonable. And even if it's undeserved. Greatness is determined how we handle those things. So John 12, 26. It reads like this. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am... They will my servant also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Galatians, for you will call to freedom, brothers. Only do not see your use of freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love and service for one another. You know what God has called you to do? Serve. And that's exactly what we're going to have the opportunity to do in just a few moments. So here's, I, I, brought, I brought some real practical elements here because... We're not going to have a typical ending um, here of a service that we normally would have. Because I want some nuts and bolts for you. Are you ready? There's five things that I really want for you in the next 90 days. So I'm going to share with this, this thought with you right here. Let's show those five things real quick on the screen here. Um, there should be one before that, I think. What we wish for you. Let's go to that. Number one. Here's what I wish for you as your pastor and as a leadership team. This is what we wish for you. That in the next 90 days, that you would have embarked on a courageous act of obedience that cost you something. Number two, the thrill of knowing you were instrumental in someone else's decision to follow Jesus. The fact that you were instrumental in helping someone come to Jesus, that's what I want for you. Say, Pastor Tony, you're asking a lot already. The first two are tough. It's, It's five of them, so we'll be good. Number three, the freedom in knowing that you have focused the last few months and these next 90 days. You say, why 90 days? Why not? Why not 90 days? You do 90 90 day challenges. You do all these other things 90 days, right? It said that you can do something for 21 days. It becomes a habit. Why don't we nail it down in 90 days? And here's what I, I desire. That you would become so sold out in this idea that I want to invest in people and the kingdom. I want to involve myself in God's kingdom, and I want to invite people to be a part of God's kingdom. I want to invest, involve, and invite. Number four, that you can see your commitment to generosity and service has made a difference, and you can see it by the chairs around you. Look around. Talked about this last week. Pastor Christian brought it to the service. He beat me to it seven days early. You ready? Look around. There's some empty chairs. Not a lot, a few, some more than others. But every one of these chairs... There's a soul that's waiting to hear about the love of God. You can be a part of that. 
by sharing the love of God with somebody. And last, keep seeking and knocking to see his hand move in your life. How are we doing that? In the next coming weeks, you'll be hearing about, we're starting a Bible study prayer time on Wednesday nights here for adults to come in. And we're going to study God's word together. We're going to pray together. And we're going we're gonna to invest in the kingdom of God. And that's starting here uh, this month. We're also launching our life groups here in the fall. Um, in the next few weeks, again, you're going to hear more about it. If I can get one of those cards that were in the bulletins, can you get that for me real quick? Somebody hand me one of those. Thank you so much. Let's go to that last slide, that 90-day challenge. Thank you so much. We have these, these that we've put into the bulletin. Grab these. If you don't have a bulletin, raise your hand. Usher will get one to you. Or if not, we'll get one of these to you. We have them on the back table. The 90-day challenge. Everybody got one? And here's what it says. Here's what we believe to be the 90-day challenge, what we believe God to do in these next few moments. We have a few hands of people that need them. Here it is. This is what the card says. I understand Freedom Life Church will not be successful because of personality or appearance, but because behind the scenes there are passionate, influential, and loyal men and women who are intentionally, intentionally, and consistently giving of themselves in order to see results. I believe God has placed those kinds of people in this fellowship and in my life. For that reason, I now choose to do the same for others. I am all in. This is an all-in declarative statement that we're making for the next 90 days. I'm not asking you to memorize it, but if you do memorize it, it'd be a good one. Because I'm telling you right now, that if we come to God with this attitude... Every day of our life, if you read this every day for the next 90 days when you wake up, you're saying, I'm a part of freedom. If you're not a part of freedom, maybe this doesn't apply to you. Maybe you're visiting, whatever, that's fine. But if you're a part of freedom, maybe you read this every day. Maybe put it somewhere where you could read it every day and realize you are a part of what God's about to do in this city. You are a part of what God's going to do in this community. You are about to be a part of something great that God's going to do in this valley. 